0: You're listening to GeekCred, episode number 5, for Sunday, March 25th, 2007. Hey there, and welcome to episode 5 of Geek Cred. I'm your host, Steve Rickyberg. GeekCred is the show that covers the whole gamut of geekdom, from tech to sci-fi, to games. So if this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. Now coming up in this episode, we have an interview with Earl Newton of Stranger Things. Now before I move into feedback and trivia, I want to talk a little bit about why this episode has been so late. I last came to you over three weeks ago in episode four. Right after that, I started encountering some major equipment problems. The microphone on the headset I had been using is shot. Right now, I am using a borrowed microphone with a pretty hacked together setup. Now, I'm a student. The budget for this show is pretty much nothing. If it weren't for the fact that I already had that headset when I started, I might not be doing the show at all. Now, I hate to beg for your money, but if you're feeling generous and you enjoy the show, please consider donating. Just go to the website, www.geekcred.net and click on one of the PayPal donate buttons on the right. Any donations will be very appreciated, and thank you for your support. Now on to feedback. You now I received some voicemails since episode four, so let's hear them. Hey, Geekcred, this is Scott Sigler. I saw your Skype list that you're lonely and wanted voicemail, and that's you know that's what I'm always out to do. It's just make people feel better. So here you go scott sigler called my voicemail line sweet actually you can look forward to seeing scott on the show really soon i hope steve it's Kirk. um just calling to leave a voicemail message for no real reason yep hey steve what's up this is cutie p christian from hatcom in production view your show rocks dude i can't wait to see the next episode And I'll definitely be be listening for many more of the episodes to come. See you, dude. Bye. Hey, Cody, Carrick, thanks for calling. I'm glad to hear you're liking the show. Both Cody and Carrick are actually two of my biggest regulars in the IRC chat room. If you haven't been there, you are missing the party, my friend. GeekCred at irc.geekcred.net And now trivia. Last episode's trivia question was... What television network occupies the building that used to be Commodore Headquarters? Now the answer to that is Shopping Channel QVC. Now this month's trivia question is, What science fiction director did the 1984 Apple commercial that introduced the Macintosh? What science fiction director did the 1984 Apple commercial that introduced the Macintosh? Think you know the answer? Email geekcred at geekcred.net. Or call the voicemail number at 206 424 9125. Now, the featured interview with Earl Newton of Stranger Things. I'd like to welcome Earl Newton, executive producer of Stranger Things. So, why don't you start off by telling me a bit about yourself? Who is Earl Newton?
1: Who is Earl Newton? Uh, Earl Newton. Earl Earl Newton is sleep deprived. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Uh, I am uh, the executive producer and the creator of Stranger Things. Uh, I've been a filmmaker for about almost ten years at this point. I started in screenwriting when I was sixteen. Uh, I have been actually in the podcasting world for a while, but very—I I was doing sort of like I did a lot of sidekick stuff. I, I, I'm a—I'm a co-host on Me the Outcast. And I'm friends with you know all what, what you would consider sort of like the columns of as Rich Siegfried calls the juggernauts of podcasting, <laughs> like uh, Mer Lafferty and Steve Ely and Scott Stabler. These are all friends of mine, and, and uh, I kind of met them through the show. And uh, in my real life, I'm a network producer for a sports radio network. Uh, so, screenwriter, director, I do the whole thing.
0: <laughs> so for that, I'm those tired.
1: I am tired as well. <laughs>
0: So, for those who aren't familiar with it, what is Stranger Things?
1: Stranger Things is the first science fiction anthology podcast shot and released in HD uh, in the world. We, once a month, will deliver a science fiction story. It's sort of like the Twilight Zone. Uh, some uh, some folks I did an interview with a while back called it magical realism. And that certainly seems to be the kind of the, the, hmm. the appropriate term for it. And sort of, it's it's. Story set in the real world, but with a very strange twist. So things seem like they're working just fine. And then all of a sudden, there's something very, very different going on that you don't know about. So it's all about like taking the little tiny bits of reality and then suddenly twisting them. Now there's this grand story of of what's going on behind the scenes. Only you never know it because uh, you're never there when it happens. So it's sort of like the theory of the show is that all this stuff could be happening all the time and you never know it because you closed the door just then and walked out of the room. or, or I mean, all those sorts of things. So it's, <laughs> it's sort of the secret world that's going on uh, when we don't know it. So there's angels and demons and, and uh, uh, shamans and wizards and all these things going on and, uh, and you just never know it.
0: So how did you come up with the idea for Stranger Things?
1: Uh, well, there were basically really three sources that got the show started. Uh, The first was that I had been doing a uh, regionally syndicated sports television show, and that sort of dispelled my illusions about how difficult it would be. I mean, no, don't don't get me wrong. It's unbelievably difficult. But when I began the project, I thought it would be impossible. So when I did it and I got through a season of it, I went, you know, that wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. And it was kind of fun. I could do that uh, more regularly if I wanted to. Uh, the second source came from listening to Escape Pod. And everybody who's who's on the internet should have heard of Escape Pod if they haven't. If you're a sci-fi fan, you've got to go check out Escape Pod. It's Steve Ely's podcast. And he just he he is awesome. And it it's just it's, Escape Pod is about short stories that are full of great ideas. And uh, I love that about Escape Pod because so many times on the internet you always find these things that are so genre specific, like I'm going to do a story about vampires, or I'm going to do a story about uh, werewolves, or I'm going to do a story about spaceships traveling through time. I mean, it's 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 just so, like, they they take sci-fi and they just kind of go, this is all it is. It's this little tiny box, and this is the little genre we're working in. And Steve Ely says, we're going to do stories that are fun. And so that just opens the whole realm up to, to everything that sci-fi and fantasy can be. And that really appealed to me because I'm not really, I mean, I love vampires, I love werewolves, I love wizards and spaceships and all that stuff. But I love stories with great ideas. Like, when you get to the end of the story, you're like, oh, my gosh, what was, you know, oh, that was so amazing. I never thought of it that way, or this, or the other. So I was really inspired by Steve Ely's Escape Pod. And really, the the final reason that Stranger Things came about and, and what, what sort of inspired it was that I had been doing filmmaking for quite a while, and I had come across in my travels and in my experiences on tour and wherever, all these really great actors, and all these neat ideas for little short stories that you could never turn into a feature film. And short films are okay, but a short film doesn't really go anywhere. There's not really a lot of point to it other than as some sort of, like, pseudo-calling card, and you're supposed to make this unbelievable short film, and suddenly people will notice you. And it was just kind of like, you know, if I'm going to pour my blood, sweat, and tears into something, I really want to do something that people are going to appreciate and enjoy on its own merit, not, oh, well, that was really good for a short film. Hmm. And, the, and the, of course, the other reason was I had all these actors and things and all these stories, so I thought, well, you know, I can I can kind of tie this all together because TV by its nature is short form, and if I do it in sort of an anthology series, then I never have to come back to the same idea twice if I don't want to. I never have to use the same actor if I don't want to, or I can use the same actor if I want to. I can do whatever I want because every story is different, and I can always do something new and it allows me to go through a lot of different ideas and a lot of different expressions of, well, what would it be, what would it be like if it were this, or what would it be like if it were that? Like, for example, uh, when we did the first episode, It Was Gonna Be Discontent, uh, I had written that as part of a screenplay competition. And they said, you know, tell us a story about divorce with sci-fi elements. And that's where I came up with this idea about a man who has this shrewish controlling wife and her mother dies... And they say, okay, uh, you know, she says, she's she's died, and I want you to clone her, Carl. Carl is the man. I want you to clone my mother-in-law so that she'll be back with me again. So it's, it's sort of a story of human drama in this relationship, but at the same time, it's also got these really crazy sci-fi elements. Like, you know, you're going to clone your dead mother-in-law. So, in fact, that's the episode that will be coming out uh, in just a few days now, April 1st. We're getting ready to release that. It's going to be quite good. It's going to be a little bit shorter than uh, the 30 minutes we're usually doing, because it was kind of the pilot episode. That we had switched around to do Sacred Cow first, but uh, but I think people are definitely going to enjoy it. We have uh, Alex Traywick coming on uh, as the featured director, and she had she kind of took the hand in this and, and uh, turned this into a good story. So it's it's going to be fun.
0: Now you mentioned Sacred Cow and Scott Sigler. What was it mm-hmm. like working with Scott Sigler?
1: What was it like working with Scott Sigler? May I have a guitar intro, please? <laughs>
0: um,
1: no, <laughs> no, Scott. Like I, I, Scott is awesome. I mean, he really is awesome. When I first, uh, uh, I first met Scott when I was doing Wrecking Re- the Outcast, uh, we'd done an interview with him, and I was just, I was amazed by Scott's sort of go get attitude, and that's kind of what inspired me also to do Stranger Things, is I realized, you know, I'm, I'm no slouch when it comes to creative endeavor, and I see Scott doing this stuff, it's like, well, shoot, I can do that. I mean, Scott is very excellent in, in novel writing and, and podcasting and many other fields. I just went, you know, I'm I'm very good when it comes to filmmaking. I think I could get out there and really make a splash. Uh, So in talking with Scott and kind of hanging out with Scott, I I sort of got this feel like, you know, this is possible if you're willing to take the bull by the horns. And the greatest thing about Scott is that when you're working with him, and I can't say this enough, he has no real ego at all. I mean, everybody's got a little bit like, I like this idea, so I want it to get in. But Scott is one of the most generous people when it comes to that stuff, and you wouldn't think so, you know, because when you hear his podcast, it's all, and he is that. There's no question. Scott's intense. Like, when you're talking to him, you've got to be on top, because Scott will mow you down. But but he's very, very generous, and, and he's very objective about the whole process. So, you know, I've... I kind of have a good idea of what will work in cinema and what won't work in cinema and, and he kind of has an idea for the same and also we both kind of know what works in basic story principle and, and how characters interrelate and, and how would it be better to do this that, or the other. So we could bounce ideas back and forth and and instantly so he or I would say something and the other one would go, no, 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 that wouldn't work because X, Y, and Z. And then the other one would instantly say, you're right, of course, throw that out. Or a new idea would pop up, and then the the, the second guy's like, oh, of course, that's, it. that's obvious, that'll be perfect. And there was just no fight back and forth. Usually when you're in a creative process, as much as you want it to be this smooth synthesis, it's not. A lot of the time you end up uh, bartering with people over one idea or the other, and you don't argue over real story reasons. You argue, well, so-and-so likes this idea, and so-and-so likes that idea. And I hate to get into those kind of games, because I just want the best story possible. And Scott has the ability... To just look at a story and go, okay, you know what, your idea is better than mine, or my idea is better than yours, it's pretty obvious we should go with this or that, let's just do it. And to be able to work with an author that way is great, because I'm very concerned about getting the story out. You know, when you say you're going to do a Scott Sigler story, or you're going to do a Mer Lafferty story, I probably shouldn't have said that. (laughs) When you're going to do a story, you want to keep the essence of that writer, you want to keep the flavor of that person because there are people who are already fans of that author who are going to come to see it and you want to respect that i hate it when they take you know when they take stories or they take books that you love and then they just go oh i know how to make it better for the movies and they just change everything And at the end you're like this isn't the heart of what i loved about this story now, sometimes you may make an adaptation, and it's nothing like the book in terms of the events, but it's got the feel of the book. It feels... Like, I mean, if you look at uh, The Lord of the Rings, I mean, there were a lot of changes made to kind of fit it into the cinematic uh, fold. But it does definitely feels like the books, to me, anyway. I mean, it definitely feels like Peter Jackson conjured that up. So when I go forth to do these things, like with Scott or Murr or whoever, I—I um, I, I, my, my biggest concern is that the stories translated well, and Scott made that a very easy process to do.
0: So how did you get into the film? I was actually
1: just a writer. I was I was much like Scott or Murr or Steve or whoever. I mean, just I was a writer. My, my biggest problem with writing is I got bored with the tediousness of it. Now, not to say writing is tedious, but well, it is. But, you know, you're sitting there and it's like, you know, tab... The tree was glistening in the brook, and a slow, leafy. I mean, just like all this, all this description, and it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's beautiful prose and poetry, and it's great. But I kind of, it's like, okay. My biggest problem was like when I'd come to scenes like that, or or scenes with a lot of action. It's not that I couldn't write them. I could. It just wasn't as enjoyable for me. I wanted to be able to say, Joe grabs the knife and stabs so and so. My 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 biggest interest was in the ideas, in like, oh, what would it look like, that, that kind of thing. So I so that's the kind of writer that I was. Didn't make for a very great novelist, I'll grant you. It was there was sort of like the Encyclopaedia Britannica version of you know <laughs> Superman or whatever. Superman flies to Metropolis, and it's cold. I mean, it's just it wasn't it wasn't really great. And when I was sixteen. I was a huge fan of episode one. In fact, those who have seen... Uh, or a huge fan of Star Wars when episode one was coming out. Let me let me clarify. Uh, and those of you who have seen the, one of the first films I made called Fall of a Saga know how I actually felt about episode one. Um, which, by the way, somebody asked me the other day. I, I did an interview and I talked about Fall of a Saga. And I said, what is... I don't even know. If you want to see Fall of a Saga, you can go to ifilm.com and it's up on it's up on ifilm. It's a, it's a story about George Lucas in episode one. Anyway... When episode one was coming out, I don't know if you remember, uh, there was a thing called Countdown.tv. Countdown.com. Countdown.tv.com. That's what it was. And it was basically, you know, uh, all these people lined up in front of uh, the Chinese theater in L.A. to see Star Wars. You know, just like they had in 1977, Star Wars is returning. So they lined up a month in advance, or maybe even more. It might have been like a couple of months in advance. And they had, like, this online TV sh- channel called CountdownTV.com. And you could, like, w- watch them in the line, right? It was a huge production. And they threw out this call. Anybody who's, like, a writer or an editor or a director, you know, we want, like, commercials and stuff, little funny things that we can play so that people aren't always staring at, uh, you know, geeks in sweaty, unwashed clothing for, you know, 24 hours straight. Which is understandable, if, uh, if that's still the program you have. So, so I got into that and I started writing like uh, parody commercials. And that was the first time I'd ever written anything for the screen where you just, it's all about what goes on the screen and not and not the, the exact poetry of the lines. Now, I later learned in screenwriting that, that poetry that I had learned in novel writing is really useful because if you can condense it and just do it in a few lines, you can really evoke an emotion that the actors and the composer and all of the other people who are the craftsmen that are working on this film can look at it and be inspired by it and go, oh, I know exactly how I want to do that. They get a feeling for it. And I've often been told that my screenplays are very visual. When people read it, they can totally see it in their mind, which doesn't necessarily mean I'm drawing very good pictures in terms of exactly where John is or where so-and-so is, but it does mean that I'm evoking an image, and that's that's where the novel writing ability comes in. So I did that with uh, countdowntv.com, and I kind of got the bug because I realized, you know, you know, if I want to describe a, a, a tree with with lace limbs outstretching towards the sky, I only got to write that once. <laughs> Everything after that is the tree. So it, it just it just kind of clicked with me, and I I realized that this is really where I wanted to go. And I love to tell good stories. I don't really care what the medium is. You know, I mean, I may go work in video games one day because video games are definitely coming out as as a great storytelling medium. But for right now, the medium is movies, so I'll do movies. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I just went that way.
0: I'm going to take a quick break, but when I return,
2: I'll have more with Earl Newton on a remote island in Lake Superior. Scientists struggle to solve the problem of xenotransplantation using animal tissue to replace failing human organs. Funded by the biotech firm Genata, Dr. Klaus Ruhmkorf strives to recreate the ancestor of all mammals to genetically engineer a self-sustaining herd of organ donor animals. Ruhmkorf discovers this ancestor, but it's not the docile, harmless creature he envisions. His genius gives birth to a fast-growing evil that nature eradicated 250 million years ago. An evil now on the loose at Very, Very Hungry. Scott Sigler's suspense-filled horror thriller, Ancestor. He's the most popular podcast novel of all time. On April 1st, Ancestor claws its way into print. Pick up your copy at Amazon.com or visit scottsigler.net.
0: Now back to the interview with Earl Newton. Now you can't be doing this all by yourself. You mentioned Alex no. Trawick. Who else is helping you behind the scenes and putting all this together? Uh,
1: the, there's really four people involved. I've kind of I've taken the lead in a lot of it. Uh, I mean, I've, of course, I created it and I I write basically all the episodes and I do a lot of the producing. But there's other people involved as well. Uh, uh, Alex Trawick has just directed Discontent. We brought her on to do that, so that's definitely her baby, and you're going to get to see Alex's vision for an episode. Uh, Josh uh, Joshua Smith is my producer. Uh, he's been my producer since forever. I mean, he's he's one of the producers on the show, but he's always been my producer. He helped me on Fall of the Saga, and then he later produced another film I made called Sins of the Mother. Um, and then finally there's uh, Joseph Fagan, who did the cinematography on uh, Sacred Cow, and he's really great with visual effects. He actually did that cool... Uh, like Rorschach kind of opening that we have and uh, it's, it's really those four people uh, and they kind of, everybody kind of rolls in I, I sort of am in the nexus of all this and then different people will jump in depending on what the project is so Alex just come in and she's directed one and uh, most likely at some point Joseph will direct one and uh, actually very interesting we've got a program we're kind of working on now and you're the first person I've told this to
0: Exclusive we have,
1: that's right, he's right, There you go uh, we're, we're, we've had a lot of requests from people who want to submit stories or who want to direct episodes. And what we're going to do eventually, and kind of, we're going to pick and choose, it's not going to be a regular thing, but we'll kind of do it that now and then, is we're going to, we will accept story submissions, although I mean obviously if you submit the story to us, you're saying you know, I want you guys to do this, it's your story now. But, um, but we are also taking uh, directors who want to give it a shot, where we sort of have like this sort of Not like an audition process, but like they have the ability. What we're going to do is we're going to make very, very short Stranger Things episodes, like five pages long, that are little tiny stories that have a cool twist at the end, that you could shoot in like one day and edit in a couple of days. And we 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 have a bunch of composers that want to work with us, so we just ask one of the composers to score a little five minute piece. And uh, it really number one, it's really cool little stuff that people get to see, and it's I mean obviously good stories with a good twist are always cool. And uh, second, it kind of gives these directors a chance to sort of test their wings because you know you don't my biggest thing as the executive producers I want to make sure the episodes are good so I want to do as much uh, without sounding too harsh about it, you you kind of want to do a little uh, uh, filtration you know mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who want to direct not everybody can direct you know so I mean kind of met with the producers and we're like okay we're gonna kind of we're gonna kind of filter just a little bit and go okay well, so and so looks like they might be a really good director. Let's give them a little five-minute piece. Let them do that, and if it really works well, then we'll give them like a thirty-minute piece, like a full episode. Because the thing is, we, we we work so hard to really rev people up for the episodes, and and uh, and we work so hard to make sure they're good. You don't want to give an episode to somebody you don't even know, and say, "Oh, hope it goes well." You know, take care of our show. You know, we want we want to make sure that people who get it. Uh, are gonna do a good job and are really gonna entertain people. So we're we're kind of rolling that out here in the next couple of months. We're gonna do something like that. So directors who are interested in directing, email me at Earl at StrangerThings.com and we'll start talking and we'll pick some people and do some cool stuff.
0: So why don't you take me behind the scenes into what goes into an episode of Stranger Things?
1: What goes into an episode of Stranger Things? It all begins with a story. I'm a writer at heart, so it all begins with a story. If the story's not good, then nothing's happening. Uh Usually, an episode will grow out of, because I've written like five episodes at this point, and we're trying to figure out which one we want to do next, and it's, you know, everybody's got, well, I've got dibs on this, so we're all trying to work schedules and whatnot, but um, usually an episode will come out of an idea that I have or that someone else has, and it's usually like a little tiny twist on something like, um, uh, we have an episode coming up called Pure Love, which I'm actually which I would have already had done by now, but I have bronchitis and I've been trying to write, but I go home and sleep for 12 hours every night. Um, the, for example, Pure Love is about a drug dealer who makes drugs out of people's bodies. Ugh. Yeah. And it's about what happens when this one man who is is infatuated with a girl at uh, his office finds out that if he brings, like, well, I don't want to say too much, but let's say he gets addicted to the girl that he's working with, and I won't say much more, but that's where the stories come from, you get this weird little twist, like, ooh, what would that be like, and then you start to kind of flesh out a whole story, and then I'll take between uh, eight days to two weeks, maybe sometimes a little bit more if I'm really trying to polish it, and I do, um... Somewhere in that, so it was between eight to fourteen days. I'll like write the episode, write the episode, write the episode, and then I'll send it off to a readers group that I have, which is people that I know and people that I trust, and they give me feedback on. It and they say this is good, this is bad, this is good, and the great thing about them is they are honest. Uh, or what was originally going to be the pilot for Stranger Things uh, a long time ago, when I was writing the episodes in like November, uh, <laughs> they were like, "This is not good at all." <laughs> This, this is bad. This is very bad. I don't understand what's happening. Da, 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 da. So I, I, I rewrote it, and I got it to a place where we may produce it, I don't know, but I had so many other good scripts come up that I had written, I just it, we threw it away. But uh, So once it comes back to the readers group, we lock it down, we say good, we put it into the schedule, uh, we're usually shooting at least a month ahead of whenever the episode's going to be released, so, for example, I'm writing Pure Love. Technically, I should already be shooting Pure Love right now, but my bronchitis has kind of kicked me out of schedule a little bit, so Pure Love may be a little bit late, we're not sure yet, but uh, uh, if I double time it, I might just get it done in time. But so, you know, we'll start maybe as much as 60 days out, so if, if, uh, for example, Pure Love is going to come out on May 1st, I should really be shooting it uh, uh, sometime in March. And then I'll edit it in March, and it'll go to the composer and the sound mixer at the very beginning of April, and then uh, we'll we'll send it off to everybody. So going through the process, we cast it. I don't usually do a lot of casting. I know the people that I want to work with or I find them. I just say, I want you, I want you. I don't do like a big cattle call kind of thing. But if I audition you, odds are I think you're good already. And if you're not going to be in this episode, you're going to be in another one. And then we just get together. We shoot it over two weekends, crazy weekends, run all over the place with our fantastic HVX200 high-def camera that I just, I love in ways I cannot tell my family. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then uh, I edit it, or whoever edits it, whoever the director is will usually edit, unless they say, you know, I'd rather have so-and-so edit it. And slap the credits on it, we send it off to the uh, to the sound mixer, Andy Gagliano, which, by the way, everyone's got to check out Andy's website, andygagliano.com. You would not believe what gets added in a sound mix. In fact, I'm going to do a little short feature about it here eventually. i got a uh, 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 behind, uh, behind-the-scenes kind of thing i got to put out for for episode two, for episode one, and then I'm eventually going to do this, uh, this idea of what actually a sound mix does, you would not believe the difference that it makes. So Andy just adds a huge wealth. So uh, if you're interested in sound mixing, you need to check out Andy's website at andygagliano.com. Anyway, uh, so we get the mix done, we'll have a composer usually, like for example, we had, um, uh, Alistair Cooper from LA. He he scored a lot of video games. He's a really fantastic composer. He came in to do Sacred Cow. We have a lot of composers who are who are contacting us about doing work. So we'll pick one. We'll say, okay, you're going to do this episode. They score it in about two weeks. Andy mixes it down. We drop it all together. We compress it into uh, the the format for the iPod. And that's the amazing thing. The render on those files takes a long, long time. I bad. knew I knew it was going to take a while. The one for uh, Sacred Cow took 17 hours. Wow! You just set the file to go, and the funny thing is, is when you're watching it render, it says four hours left. You're like, four hours? That's great. You come back in four hours, it says eight hours left. You're like, <laughs> well, what? So anyway, it was it was it was intense, but uh, but it is definitely worth it because uh, the the uh, H.264 codec that we're using, the, the sort of the the QuickTime high def compression codec. I mean, I, I feel it looks gorgeous. I mean, I easily, um, in terms of just the picture quality, some of the best stuff I've seen in podcasting. So I'm very proud to be a part of it.
0: Now, the production quality is really high. I mean, this is like TV quality. How can you give this away for free?
1: Thank you. I appreciate that very much. We we were aiming to, uh, to maybe not compete, but certainly hit that mark. Um, well, there's a couple of ways. Uh, I mean, obviously... To get started, it costs a lot of money, and each episode does cost a lot of money. I mean, I won't lie to you. but At some point, you know, there there may be a, a lack of funds. Uh, but right now, I'm feeding the machine, and it's going to keep working. But um, the way we started is, uh, I went to friends and family and said, "Look, you know, we've got this idea. No one's ever done this before. We're really... I mean, I listed there. There are like five or six different ways in which Stranger Things is a first. Uh, you know, the first podcast ever syndicated uh, uh, in high definition." The first, podcast, the first television show ever syndicated in Second Life. I mean, there's just a bunch of firsts. I don't even have them all in my head at this point. But I told him, you know, we, there's a lot of firsts here. We, we have a chance to really make our mark and say, hey, you know, we were the first to do some stuff. And that's rare in this world ever it's, to be able to say we were the first. There were other people who made have done other things, but we did it first. Uh, and my, my family and, and friends were really behind me. And we, we raised uh, a good chunk of money to get things going. And uh, and now we're sort of we're, we're producing the episodes, and I'm still I, I'm still going to need to get a little bit more if we're going to keep going. But I'm looking for that now. What I you know eventually hope to do just so I can pay the cost of the episode because the episodes are quite expensive. It's not it's not two or three or four hundred dollars per episode. It's it's up there. Now it's not half a million dollars like it is for things on network TV, but it's expensive. Um, I I will probably look for maybe some advertising or uh, it, I really want I don't. I know how people are about advertising on the internet, and I don't want to disrespect the audience like that. I mean, I, I, I appreciate that they like the show. I'm not trying to bombard them with ads. But at the same time, is if we can find somebody who is actually like a really cool whatever, be it, uh, uh, like for example, I know uh, Steve Ely works with a, with a bookbinding company that does these really awesome, uh, or at least he did at this time. Maybe he's not doing that anymore, I don't know, but I know at the time... <clears throat> He, he's working with this bookbinding company, and they do these really awesome books, and it just works for the audience, because anyone who's listening to Stevie Lee's podcast loves books and loves sci-fi, and they just they love that kind of stuff. I would like to find some people who similarly are not, you know, I don't want to sell, if I can help it, I don't want to sell, you know, uh, shoes. You know, I don't want to be like, brought to you today by Nike. Now, then again, if Nike comes to me and says, "We'll underwrite your whole show, if I can if I can take sponsorship money from Nike and then continue to put out this podcast for free, would someone like me to say no? I mean, seriously, would, would someone like say, you know what, I don't think I like that 30-second bumper in the front of your show, even though technically you are, like, this high-definition podcast with amazing production values and great stories, coming out once a month, you're not charging for it, but I just don't like that 30 seconds in the front. It's like, really? You would really, like, not watch because of that? Like, so that I can, like not starve you would really not watch so so my goal is yeah hopefully to get some advertising and, and we're looking at other methods too I mean this thing might go to TV at this point um, I'm not against it but my biggest thing is just that I did this because I like to make cool things and I think there are a lot of people who, who like to enjoy those things and that's my biggest goal so whatever I can do to keep that going I'm going to so if it means advertising advertising as long as it doesn't take away from the quality of, of the experience to watch the show
0: what has the reception been to Sacred Cow? Have you been surprised?
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, very. Uh, let me say very. And once more, very. <laughs> um, yes, I've been amazed. Uh, because I, I thought it would do pretty well. I mean, I, I've seen how my stuff, because I, I, I wrote and direct the fir- directed the first episode. So I've kind of seen how my stuff gets rec- received. I tend to you know, pretty be pretty regular. I can turn out something that's pretty cool. Uh, But I did not expect it to be like this. I thought that there would be, you know, a couple hundred people be like, this is awesome, and kind of like a slow build of attention. Scott Sigler uh, uh, posted about our show on his podcast, and we went in the month from February till February, like, 26th, I think? No, 24th. From, From February 1st to February 24th. February 1st was when Scott Sigler posted about the thing. From February 1st to February 24th, we got 750 subscribers. Wow. But here's the amazing thing. On the February 24th, I came out and said, we are five days away from the premiere of Stranger Things. Please tell one friend. Just tell one friend about us. Don't tell a bazillion, just tell one about our show. Tell them what we're doing, if you like it. You don't have to if you don't want to. We don't, you know, you don't owe us anything. But if you like this show, if you like what we're trying to do, if you like the idea of trying to reach these heights on an independent level, if you really support that kind of thing, just tell one friend. We went from, on the 24th, we had 750 subscribers, just under, like seven forty eight, I think. One week later, on March 3rd, maybe it was a little bit more than a week, maybe it was seven, like eight or nine days. March, maybe it was like March 4th or 5th. We were at 750, we went to 1800. Wow. So somebody told more than one friend. ha. <laughs> And I don't know how happy I am about that. No, it was amazing, and uh, uh, it's just it's gone exponentially since then. I mean, we're at at this point, the show has been seen almost fifty six hundred times in the last three weeks. So wow. we're we're like yikes, because most podcasts, oh, I mean, podcasts that I've been a part of sometimes, and different things in my past. I mean, don't ever go over a thousand ever you know and that's amazing to me that that the response has been that strong i I'm, I'm pleased i i feel like i mean we we definitely want to go more because we think the show is good we want to get as many people as we can we want people to dig the show i mean we're we're hungry for that we're never going to we're never going to be satisfied but we we just want we just want to make a good show but still i mean those are that's i'm i'm pleased with those for opening numbers and we got all these great comments from people and and just i was getting emails all over the place and some people uh, if you watch the show, there's a little YouTube video in the beginning, and uh, there's a little link that says, you know, email GordoGordon1 at gmail.com, <clears throat> because it's supposed to be the character in the story. I got emails on that, because nice. the email address does exist, and... um in fact, actually, we had a lot of people say, uh, complain about the video in the front because, you know, I didn't put like the little play button and the little <laughs> scroll across, you know, little thing. So, you know, I'm not going to say this, but, you know, if you were to check it now, it might have it. Just maybe. Revisionist history? Maybe. <laughs> That's the beauty of the internet. You know, it's not like Battlestar Galactica, Galactica can come back and, like, change the episode later on, but we can. So, uh, so definitely the power of uh, the power of the internet. They have, uh, they they asked and we fixed. So we corrected some stuff, and everybody was talking about the boom shot. Yeah, what boom? Prove it. It's not there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there you go.
0: So what type of stories can we expect to see coming up?
1: <sighs> Ooh, you're trying to get me to give spoilers.
0: <laughs> and, and, and what type of and what authors, I guess, are you working with? Maybe.
1: Um, the majority of the stories will probably be written by me, just because that's how we had figured in the beginning. We hadn't really thought of doing a lot of adaptations. I mean, the fact that we opened with Scott's was, was just, I felt a good move in a lot of ways. It's a good story. Um, it fit very well within the realm of what we were trying to do. Obviously, Scott's a big name. I like Scott. I liked the story anyway. We were going to do it it just made sense if we if we were going to make his the second story. It just made sense to make his the first story. Let's open up big. Let's really let's really explode out there and get some attention. Um, I can softly confirm that there will be a potential story from Mer Lafferty. All right. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't want to say too much, but I'm in talks with Mer, and uh, and Mer may just say okay, fine. So there's there's a story on the on the on the way, possibly by her. Uh, the, of course, Discontent is coming up next with, uh, with Carl trying to clone his, his dead mother-in-law. There's Pure Love is going to come after that. And, uh, there, we have some other interesting ones. I can't give too much away because when I'm writing in the beginning, my titles are very, very obvious. And so I don't have, like, a, I don't have, like, a clever title for a lot of these things. Yet. So if I tell you the titles, if I tell you the titles, it will sort of give away the uh, the whole deal, so I, I can tell you this there's another story on the horizon. It's called "What child is this?" And the premise of the story is that uh, there's a family of of uh, two girls and a boy they're you know they're in they're grown now, and they're getting together to put their mom in a nursing home because she has Alzheimer's disease. but the twist is when and this is not the the end twist, it's just that this is the tweak of the story whenever as she begins to forget more and more, whenever she actually forgets one of her children, they disappear. And it's as if they never existed. And as things get more and more involved, the only people who remember the the siblings, the, the children, are their siblings. So now they're trying to deal with, wait, what's going on? Where is everybody? And they're trying to sort of reverse the process. But... You know, their mother's on on a downward spiral, so they can't. So they know they're all going to disappear eventually. Interesting. And how do they get out of that? So the story's called What Child Is This? And that will be, uh, we haven't scheduled a specific date for that yet, but that will be uh, sometime after May.
0: Mm -hmm. All right, well, is there anything else you'd like to add?
1: Uh. I would say first of all, Steve, thank you so much for uh, letting me come on your show. I'm really, really honored that uh, I get to be. Uh, I guess is this number five? Yeah, it will be. Fantastic! I get to be number five, and <laughs> um, and you know, uh, by all means, if if people like the show, about check it out, StrangerThings.tv. TV. Feel free to donate uh, if you'd like to. Helps to keep the show rolling. I'm interested in finding out, and this is I'll throw this out on your show because I haven't told anybody about this yet. I'm interested. I'm interested in finding out. If DVDs would be interesting to people. Uh, I mean, we're still in the first episode. I'm not looking to monetize anything at this point. But if that is something that's interesting, I can start working that into you know, some of the contracts that we sign with our creators and stuff like that so that it will be legal for us to release a DVD later. So anyone who's listening to this podcast, if they're interested, just drop me a line and uh, and I'll, I'll be interested to see if, uh, if maybe we do some DVDs.
0: All right. Well, thanks for taking some time out of your busy schedule to come on the show.
1: <laughs> it's no problem, Steve. I, I really appreciate you having me on.
0: Once again, I really want to give a big thanks to Earl for taking some time out of his very busy schedule to talk about Stranger Things. Earl is a really cool guy, and if you haven't already, you owe it to yourself to check out Stranger Things at www.strangerthings.tv. Well, it's time to wrap this thing up. If you've got questions, comments, feedback, whatever... I want to hear it. Email me, geekcred at geekcred.net, or leave a voicemail message at 206-424-9125, or you can post a comment on the website at www.geekcred.net. Also at the website, you'll find some special bonus content along with the donate button. You can also chat with us on IRC and pound geekcred on irc.geekcred.net. A little side note, I will be posting a web-based chat client on the website soon, so that you will be able to use that to get to the chat room as well. Now if you're downloading the show directly, please consider subscribing and get the show delivered to you automatically for free. Now I'm not going to beg for votes on Podcast Tally, Podcast Pickle, or Dig.com this time, though such love would be very appreciated. Now I've got some great interviews and the work's coming up, so stay tuned. Well, that's it for me, so until next time, geek on!